We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jason Pat and Jason Bulls wrapped up uh, their eighth win over the last 11 games. Just moments ago, they beat the San Antonio Spurs 114 to 95. It was a game where the Bulls on the second night of a back-to-back coming off an emotional, really awesome, inspiring win against the Lakers the night before. They just looked like a team that was pretty flat, didn't have a lot of energy. Uh, They shot something like, what was it, one for 19 in the first half or something like that. But uh, the Spurs are not a good team, and They're the Bulls bad. might actually be becoming a good team. And the Bulls just sort of stepped out on the gas in the second half to uh, to bring home the win. So Bulls now thirteen and seventeen overall. Jason, this team was five and fourteen when Zach Levine went out of the lineup with right foot soreness. Since then, eight and three. Uh, none of the stats have updated since uh, you know this Spurs game just ended, but coming into tonight, uh, since Levine had gone out, the Bulls 12th in offense, ninth in defense, ninth in net rating, number one in three point percentage, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, and number one in offensive rebounding, but really more than anything, this is the best stretch the Bulls have played since Lonzo ball went down. It's been a stretch that has seen Kobe white solidify a significant leap from a guy who was, uh, you know, still up in the air as to whether he was even a solid starter at the start of the season to suddenly a fringe all-star. Patrick Williams has become a significant piece for the Bulls, I think, both in the present and in the future, I would hope. Uh, just playing fantastic defense, and now offensively, he's hitting his threes again, and he suddenly looks like a really solid two-way player, uh, still only 22 years old. So it's just been a great stretch for the Bulls without Levine. And 
Uh, Jace, I think we keep waiting for the bottom to fall out. We keep waiting for a night when Kobe's not going to keep playing like an all-star, when the threes aren't going to keep falling. And offense just stops is coincidence and back to back where the bulls didn't have really their best effort uh they still did enough to win this game by you know 20 points so for the bulls and it's hard to believe it's real yeah <laughs> like you said like i keep waiting for just like this i don't want to say bottom fallout because like i don't think they're all of a sudden gonna be like bad like awful again like they were earlier in the year but like just like waiting for even like a bad game like they have not really played like a legitimately bad game like throughout this entire stretch and like tonight was probably one of the worst they've played and they won by 19 points like uh it was kind of close throughout uh as you mentioned they shot what well i think it was like two of 21 from three uh through the first three quarters and yet they were still winning by i think seven or nine points because they were dominating in the paint they had a season high points in the paint i think they got up to like 60 or right around there um they were hitting everything from mid-range um again ba- balanced scoring again the spurs are terrible i mean the spurs are an absolute joke uh Wemby, Wemby coming back from an injury did not quite look like himself he had a few really sick plays a few sick blocks really nice like over the back like behind the back assist but like they were keeping a hundred minutes limit wasn't that good and the rest of the raw i don't know what they're actually doing out there jeremy sohan the point that point guard experiment is just awful it's been awful all year it's one of the reasons why they're four and 23 but this is i I would consider this like a trap game and the bulls third and four nights second of a back-to-back they've been bad on back-to-backs this season against a bad team they started slow uh andre drummond gave a spark off the bench kind of got them back into it uh and they were the spurs were kind of keeping them there like all game it was a four-point game at halftime was close kind of going into the fourth quarter uh, and then the Bulls just turned on the Jets. They again two of twenty-one from three, I think it was through the first three quarters. Five of six uh, from three in the fourth quarter, which continues one of maybe my favorite stat of this entire run right now is the Bulls enter tonight shooting like fifty. It's like fifty-two or fifty-three percent from three in fourth quarters. They went five of six from three in the fourth quarter tonight, so that's going to be up like fifty-five percent. I, like I said, the numbers have not updated yet since I checked last, but. I mean, the Bulls are just making it rain from three in fourth quarters. I mean, 55% in fourth quarters from three is absolutely insane. We saw this in the Sixers game, too. That's how they basically won the Sixers game. Um, they've played a lot of games, I feel like, since we talked last. They've got some big wins. The Sixers, the Lakers won, as you mentioned. Um, and, yeah, it was like that Sixers game. They fall down early again, like they like to do. Uh, and look like they're gonna get blown out. And you're like, whatever. Like you're playing in Philly. Philly had been has been absolutely demolishing teams. Joel Embiid looks like the MVP again, and Tyrese Maxey's awesome. And the Sixers run out to a 12 point lead, and then they come back because Kobe White catches fire. Uh, the Bulls kind of took control, and Alex Caruso played great. The Bulls kind of took control of the game. The Sixers kept coming, kept coming. And the Bulls kept responding, and in the fourth quarter, um, and this is Patrick Williams comes in this as well. Fourth quarter, the Sixers take a lead on Tyrese Maxey three. Then we get Patrick Williams three, and I think Patrick Williams had a block of somebody, and then another Patrick Williams three. We then saw Vooch hit a couple clutch threes. So, like, again, the Bulls' three-point shooting has been so important during this run. And, again, tonight they were not good until the fourth quarter, and that's how they kind of blow it open, shooting five of six. So the shooting, they just these guys are just shooting with so much more confidence. Again, Patrick Williams is shooting, like, 60% from three this month. Uh, not this month. Like, over the last, like, eight or nine games, he's, like, 60% from three. He was two of four tonight. I mean, Kobe White, as we've talked about, is turning into an all-star out of absolutely nowhere. Like, we've seen the stretches from Kobe before that are good, 
He's now going on a month play of legitimate all-star caliber impact basketball. And tonight, uh, Kobe, like the first like court, the first half, Kobe like was deferring. He wasn't really looking for a shot very much. Uh, seemed like maybe he was dead. Like he's playing a ton of minutes. He's averaging like 40 minutes a month, a game this month. So like you'd understand if Kobe just had an off game and uh, has a poor game, just tired, can't really push it. He shot five. He made all five of his shots in the fourth quarter and scored like 12 points. And he still ended up with 22, six and five. And the shots he was making uh, just like ridiculous, like fadeaway mid range shots against contests. Uh, he had, a, I think, a couple threes. He had one jumper with a foot on the line. I mean, just making insane shots all second half after like he looked like he was just due for a bad game. Uh, and this just keeps going. Him, Pat, like you mentioned, uh, just those guys playing really well. Damar had another good game. Damar, who is we talked about recently, he's not been he has not played well with no rest this season. He was incredible against the Lakers, and he was incredible again tonight, efficiency wise. So another great game for him. I mentioned Drummond. I think Io had double. I think they had five or six guys in double figures again. They've just been getting such balanced scoring up and down the lineup, uh, led by Kobe and Damar and Pat really stepping up as well on both ends of the court. I mean, they're just playing great basketball as a team. He said, I, I don't know how real this is for the long term. Uh, like, I don't know how good they actually are. I'm still expecting it to stabilize somewhat, and they're going to fall back down to earth a little bit at some point. But, like, uh, for right now, they're playing incredible. Uh, they're shooting incredible for the most part. It's a much that's more fun. The ball is popping. I know, like, the pace hasn't their actual pace, like, isn't like that much higher. Uh, but just like the ball movement, I know our guy Drew Stevens tweeted something about just the number of passes per game are way up since during this stretch. Uh, moving the ball, they're playing with more confidence, they're playing together, more assists, they're, sh- they're shooting the ball with confidence, not as much hesitation. Um, and they're just playing better. And the three point stuff, I mean, IO's had a few games. Uh, I don't think we, I think we was the, the heat games. I don't think we've, that was last weekend. I don't think we record, I think we recorded before those. Io had the one, the first heat game that they won where Io had shot like 10 of 12 and hit multiple clutch threes to put the daggers away. And then uh, the other night against, what was it, last night against the Lakers or was it the sixth? Either one, like Io had another huge game with big three pointers. Uh, just like all up and down the lineup, they're getting contributions from basically everybody. Even Dalen Terry has given some solid minutes. He did not look that great today and he's still kind of just kind of a loose cannon on offense and his jumper is terrible, but uh, giving some energy minutes, but he is pushing pace, getting rebounds, getting some assists. Like they're getting just like everybody is popping right now. Um, and they're eight and three since Zach Levine went down. So it's absolutely crazy. Uh, and I know like Billy was asked after the Lakers game about like, are they actually better without like, I think Cowley asked him flat up. Like, like tell me like that this team is like, is not better without Zach. Basically, like daring Billy to say, "Oh yeah, they're better." With, I mean, Billy gave the diplomatic answer, like, "Oh yeah, I think Zach can come back in, and whatever a healthy Zach can buy in, and they'd be and they can keep doing this." I'm not, I'm not so sure about that, but uh, that's obviously we'll see if that actually happens whenever he comes back. If he's not traded by then, if he does come back, but I mean, for right now, uh, the team is just it's a clear demarcation point. They were five and fourteen. They looked cooked. They were quitting that Celtics game. The last game Zach played and they flat out quit. And since then, they've been playing great basketball and getting huge wins. You could maybe call like that Bucks win a little fluky without Zach and Demar. The Bucks were terrible game. The Sixers game, the Sixers are scoring like 125 points a game, killing everybody. They only scored 104. Credit to the Bulls, but like the Sixers 
outside of MB did not play well that game, but still, I mean, they won the game and they had some huge shots down the stretch when it looked like they might fall apart. It's like they've got some huge wins to their name, huge road wins to their name, and they've played close. They haven't gotten blown out by everybody, by anybody in these games. That like their worst loss was the Nuggets one without when Jokic got uh, suspended or ejected, no Murray, and they lost that game by eight. Uh, every other, the other two losses were the overtime loss to the Bucks, and then a ga- Jimmy Butler game winner in Miami on a, in the second game in Miami. So like competitive every night, pulling off some huge upsets. Like it's just been an incredible stretch of basketball. This is like this is basically getting to the level of the Nico run in 27, 2017, 2018 when they won seven in a row. But this I think is has much more of a chance of being at least a little more real. Like that. That was obviously like a, a huge fluke run. That team sucked. Uh, and they, they won seven in a row just kind of out of nowhere and then kind of went back to being bad. I do not think the Bulls are going to go back to being bad. I do think they will probably come back down to earth a little bit. But, I mean, for right now, uh, they're playing great. And it's the bottom line. Yeah, Jace, I think I need to apologize for saying that Arturis's brain is made of Swiss cheese. If he believed <laughs> it was a bright idea to, quote, see what this team looks like without Zach Levine before deciding on uh, making other moves. And I thought that was idiotic. The Bulls yeah, were 5 14. Uh, I was very much ready to completely blow up this roster. And guess what, Jace? What we're not going to talk about today on this podcast is fake trades because the Bulls have been playing too good at basketball and we actually have a fun, enjoyable product to watch, like I said, for the first time since uh, Lonzo went down. So, yeah, it's just been a truly remarkable uh, turnaround for this season. And, you know, where do you want to take it from here? Because it feels like we could talk about so many different things with this team right now. Yeah, and. I mean, I guess we could start more with Kobe. Uh, obviously, we've kind of talked about him already, but I mean, I think all of this it all starts with him. I think, like, uh, I mean, Demar has kind of been Demar, and like Demar has he's had some poor shooting games, but he's kind of embraced the playmaking role, and he's been good. I think Vooch is trying harder. Vooch's shooting numbers are still kind of ass. Like, if you look at like the, during the stretch, Vooch's shooting numbers kind of stink. He's had some really big games. Like, he basically kind of won them that Bucks game, that first Bucks game, outside of the Crusoe 3, of course. But, like, he was a monster that game. But he's had some really big duds. And, like, he he was not very good tonight. Wemby kind of shoved some shit back in his face. And he was, like, 0 of 6 from 3. Again, he did have those two clutch threes against the Sixers. But, like, a lot of it has been, like, and this isn't just, like, a veteran, like, infused run here. I mean, it's Kobe White is driving most of this. And Pat. So, like, that's what at least makes this more enjoyable. This isn't, like... Sean Kilpatrick coming in and like winning some stupid fucking games, uh, like in like that 2017 18 season, and even like the Nico stuff, like they were three and 20, looked like they were gonna tank for Luca, and then like Nico comes back and like wins them some games. And it's like, I mean, it was kind of fun. Nico was dope, and like Lowry was playing pretty good, but like it's like whatever. Like this stuff right now with like Kobe doing what he's doing right now, like has kind of like just totally changed the outlook of the team and basically saved their ass. Uh, and now has like get, actually gives them a little more hope for the future. It was even coming into the season, we were like, we kind of know the mid three are mid, uh, and they were awful to start the year. But like, if they were going to be like anything actually interesting, it was going to be based on Kobe and Pat. Uh, and those two guys sucked to start the year. Uh, some of it was probably just bet shooting. They were struggling shooting, but like the vibes were obviously off with the team and with the Zach trade stuff and just the way they were playing. Just the vibes were terrible. Uh, but since. <laughs> Since Zach went out, the vibes are so much better, and so much of it is just Kobe leading the way. Um, and he started; he did start playing better before Zach went out. So, like, I'm not going to just say like he this like just started happening when Zach went out, but like 
he started shooting better once uh before Zach went out. And then since Zach went out and he's had the opportunity to kind of like make the team his own, that's when he's really exploded. And he's just and he's kept it going. Like I said, the big thing with Kobe over the years has been like, can he sustain just good play? We've seen him go through like four or five game stretches where he's unconscious and he's shooting great uh and he looks fun. And then he would go on like a five game stretch where he was just awful and it was like unplayable. We are now again on like a month of like all star level basketball where he's wherever his numbers are. You might have had him pulled up, but it's something like 24, five and five or like 24, six and six. And he's shooting like 50% from the field and 50% from three. That's absolutely, those are absolutely ridiculous numbers. And this is just like out of nowhere. Like Kobe got better at the end of last season, but like, and at coming into this season, we were like, oh, we were skeptical about him as a starter. And he was bad to start the year. To go from what he was to start the season to what he is now is absolutely like, insane crazy outlier stuff uh but he just keeps doing it so i guess my question to you is how long do you think like do you think this is like is this kobe white now like i know we really can't answer that but do you think this is kobe white now because i mean with so much of the stuff he's doing just like looks he's so much more control some of the shots he was making today just kind of getting to his spots he put Wemby on skates Wemby tried to reach guarding him and he just blew right past him and finished like he's just doing so much stuff that like I think the shooting is going to regress. He's not going to shoot 50% from three, but he's just doing so much other stuff that like shows that like he's kind of just legit now. Yeah, I think that obviously the first thing that jumps out about his play lately is like the size of the sample, I think, at this point. And basically it's been 17 games of him playing at this level where uh he's an elite shooter. He's a threat to hit from deep on both spot ups and pull ups. And his floor game has totally improved too. like the hot shooting is really what's fueled his like very stark rise. But, you know, we saw some improvements in his game last year when he was in a smaller role off the bench in terms of learning how to play with better pace, uh, tightening his handle, just like figuring out more craft around the rim Uh, And now all of those things are being accentuated when he's just shooting the absolute hell out of the ball. So, uh, you know, over his last 15 games, he's shooting 50% from the field, 49% from three on nine attempts per game, averaging 23 points. That's just the last uh, 15. And like I said, this this stretch is actually 17 games. NBA.com just has a nice little... Uh, filter for the last 15 games. So that's pretty representative of how he's been playing uh, over this stretch. couple other things that stand out. Uh, here's a stat for you, Jason. Kobe White leads the NBA in possessions finished as a spot-up shooter. He gets 6.4 possessions per game as a spot-up shooter, and he's producing 1.22 points per possession. Uh, this is a fancy way of saying Kobe White is mostly being set up for these shots. He's not exactly creating them out of thin air, even though he is a point guard in the point guard of this team. Uh, and he's really showed significant improvement in like the general areas of being a point guard. But his scoring is typically coming off an assist from someone, whether that's DeRozan or I'm sorry, whether, yeah, whether that's DeRozan DeRozan, uh, attracting two, two defenders and then kicking out uh, to set up Kobe for a shot or whether it's him and Vooch sort of playing a two man game. We've seen the bulls run the zoom action for Kobe so many times where he starts in the corner, takes a screen, then gets the dribble handoff and can either attack or make a play. Uh, He is 
like it's funny like i think i did a tweet uh after a recent game where i'm like you know the bulls are kobe's team now uh but with that being said like i think a lot of his success is being dictated by demar still being able to draw two defenders and by vooch really moving the ball well as the hub of the offense. So Kobe still like somewhat of a play finisher over a play creator. Uh, I don't really view him after this incredible stretch of play as like uh, he's going to be like the team's true number one. Like crunch. I mean, we've, and we've seen that in crunch time too, sometimes where it's like right now, they're not like going to him, like go get, get us a shot. Kobe white. That's still been a lot of tomorrow. notes. In some of those games, I know that's been a point of consternation. Like, oh, good, got, got, got to get Kobe. But like, even in some of those possessions, like he's been kind of just running pick and roll and like looking for other guys. Like, you're not like right now like running ISOs for Kobe to like go get you shots in crunch time. Like, we haven't seen yeah. stuff like that. And that's why we're still like, still kind of Demar's team like overall because he's still like that guy. Uh, right now, about fifty seven percent of Kobe's field goals are coming off an assist. Uh, just for comparison, DeMar, it's like 36% of his field goals come off an assist. So long way of saying, as much as we all want to see Kobe get the ball in crunch time situations, and we all want to see Kobe continue to be the driver of the offense, uh, you kind of got to set him up for him to be this good. And he's just been so lights out as a shooter and then really good at uh, attacking a closeout too, that it's just helped his entire game fall into place. He had a play to ice the Lakers game under two minutes left. He's isolated on the right wing against Cam Reddish, who, you know, little Duke versus North Carolina matchup here. Reddish has a significant size advantage. He's got to be six, eight with a seven, two wingspan. Uh, and Kobe just hit him with two crossovers, change of direction, stomped on the brakes, hit a little uh, floater fadeaway. And it was just the sign of a player who has matured in so many different ways on the floor. I now view Kobe as a high IQ player on the floor. Like he just really does a good job. He doesn't turn the ball over. Sucking in the defense to make a play for someone else. He's very good at controlling the ball. Like you said, he doesn't have a ton of sloppy turnovers. Uh, And I also think he's, you know, I I think I mentioned this on a podcast episode uh, just before the season that in those stupid Nashville training camp videos, Kobe really was being a vocal leader of the team. And that was important too. You know, now uh, in his fifth year, he's got the contract extension, which Jesus suddenly looks like a huge bargain for the yeah. Bulls this season and the next two years after Kobe White making like, I don't know, 12 million a year when 20 million a year is like average starter money. So they're basically paying him like a bench guy and he's producing like an all-star or right around there. So uh really great stuff from Kobe overall and I also think like this hot stretch of play from Kobe and Pat uh it has made me appreciate Vooch and DeMar a lot more too because like I think Kobe and Pat are going to be the core principles of the team moving forward right just based on age Kobe's yeah about to turn 24 Pat's 22 uh and Levine's going to get traded Vooch is under contract for two years after this one, but like Vooch is getting old. His game's declining a bit. Uh, DeMar obviously doesn't have a contract for next season. He's also in his mid thirties. So you're going to like build the team, I think around Kobe and Pat going forward. But I really like the job Vooch and DeMar have done for uh, 
putting them in positions to succeed. And Jace, besides for Kobe, the other big winner of this Bulls stretch without Zach Levine, how about Billy Donovan, who has yeah. the Bulls playing uh, a brand of offense with purpose and one that prioritizes the highest efficiency areas of the floor, uh, unlike the super mid-range heavy ball we saw from them in the past. And you know what's funny? The Bulls are still last in the NBA in pace. Over the last 10 games before the Spurs, when I ran the numbers, they're still 29th. So yeah, they're not, it, it seems not. like they're playing faster, but they're but It not, seems like yeah. they're playing faster because I think they're just running their shit with a lot more intention. <laughs> uh, and they just like starting possessions sooner in the shot clock. You're having like, you know, multiple actions. You're having just a lot of offensive flow where the ball is moving side to side. Guys are cutting into open space. Guys are more willing to take a three-pointer when they actually get a look at it, unlike last year when the Bulls would just dribble out of open three-point looks all the time. And by the way, the Bulls are suddenly the best shooting team in the NBA during this stretch. That's Since that's going to come. That definitely is coming down after tonight's game, but still, they're right there. They were before tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so, yeah, really impressed with the job Billy has done. Uh, how do you feel about Billy now, Jace? Because obviously he's been a point of like contention, uh, contention for sure. We've we've called for him to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't complain with what's going on right now. They're eight and three and like they're running their stuff and. Uh, I know I was getting to some arguments with, on, with people on Twitter about I was I mean, I, I've always thought Billy was like fine. Uh, and like it seemed like it was, I think we always complained about all oh, the offense doesn't whatever have enough creativity. But like but it does now. <laughs> it's been, it definitely has seemed way more creative now. And I mean, maybe it was more of a function of just like the guys that he's had that he's coached. I mean, he coached Katie and Russ. And then it was like Russ and Paul George, and, that, and then you have Zach, Damar, and Vooch, and that might have just been a thing. Uh, like I was like, it was, 
I don't think like Billy like just started telling these guys like, oh, you guys need to move the ball. Like we need to move the ball more. We need to like run this stuff. Like I'm sure he's been telling them that all season, but just like with the weird fit of the the mid three and the way Zach was playing, it just wasn't being executed. And now it is being executed. And like, this is the offense we've wanted to see. They're shooting a few more threes. Uh, they're moving the ball. They're, they're passing the ball so much more. They're just the there's there's more cutting. They're they are crashing the offensive glass. Those points of emphasis coming in the season: three point shooting, offensive rebounding. This during the stretch, before tonight, number one three point percentage with a little more volume. Uh, not still not a lot, but it's like still more volume. And then the number one offensive rebounding team. Those are the two things they talked about, and they're doing it right now. Like so, like that's I mean that's. Some of that is just coaching. They're executing what they want the game plan by shooting a few more threes, getting the open looks, moving the ball, cutting more, doing that stuff, just running their actions with more, with more verb, with more just purpose. Uh, And they're still, and they're still, and they're playing good defense as well. Like you got to give Billy some credit there. Like, uh, like he has been pushing the starters pretty hard, but like, whatever, like I'm not going to complain about that too much. Uh, so like right now, I mean, Billy's, he's doing a fine job. So like, I'm, they're going to say it. he's not, he should not be fired now. Like the team is responding to him. They're executing his stuff. Uh, like I know, again, there's still complaints about the the late game stuff, but that, I mean, that's, that's just kind of going to be the nature of the game. When you have DeMar DeRozan on your team, he's going to be doing some of the late game ISO stuff. And sometimes it's just, I mean, that's just the nature of the NBA. Like we see it all across the league. Like we can talk all we want about, oh, they should run more plays. Like more creative plays in crunch time, it doesn't happen all the time. And that's not just like a Billy Donovan thing. Like you go around the league and they give the ball to their best player and they ISO and they put up a shot like at the end of games. It happens a lot. Like it's easy to just blame the coach for that, that kind of stuff. But like it it happens all across the league. So like, I'm not going to like, you could argue maybe they could do a little more, but um, I don't know. I mean, he shouldn't be fired now. They're responding to him. He's, I'm not going to say, like I said, he's an amazing coach, like a top level guy, but, uh, doing fine right now. I have nothing to complain about. Uh, and what have you been seeing from Pat lately? Because I've been doing some Pat tweets. You have talked about Pat. Yeah. Uh, I think Pat. You know, we were all. Everyone was making fun of him for reportedly asking for twenty million a year uh, before the season starts. And it's like Pat, you can't average more than nine points per game. Why do you think you're getting twenty million a year? I'll say, Jace, Pat's going to get twenty million a year at minimum. Yeah, right now with the way he's playing and he's still not like a huge scorer, but in December, 14 points a game on uh, 56 percent three point shooting, 51 yeah. percent shooting from the field. And in terms of the uh, defensive production from him, it's just unbelievable. The guy is a brick wall defensively. I think he's basically performing at a level that's like just a little bit below all defense. And he's 22 years old and like it really did him a disservice to have the team broadcast comparing him to Kawhi Leonard all the time yeah, when for sure. uh, he was in the first couple of years of his career because he's never going to be that type of guy. But what he is is sort of the best type of role player, and that's a power forward who can make an open three, be really freaking good defensively, and provide some supplemental rim protection. And to me, that means Pat can play with any iteration of the Bulls going forward. Like if this guy could be on the team for the next 10 years, even if he's never one of their three best players, I would like that because I think he unlocks a lot of potential roster construction pathways with his skill set. You could now get a center who's not a great rim protector, but has more distinct offensive strengths because Pat 
right now is ranking as the best shot blocker in terms of block percentage for any non-center or non-center sized player in the league. I think he's 22nd in block percentage. Uh, and the only guys above him are centers and like Wemby and Mobley, basically. He's right there with Herb Jones in that statistic. So to have a guy who is a, you know, 6'7", 230, I think we'll put Pat at. Uh, and for him to be that good defensively, I mean, he just absorbs contact at the rim so well. Is very good at timing his blocks. Is really good with his hand-eye coordination in terms of uh, striking the ball. He had a great block tonight against... Uh, the Spurs, where he like came over as a helper and just swatted away a mid-range shot. So, and then like you take that with the shooting, and he was shooting like shit to start yeah. the year. Now he's totally on fire. But if you just look at, uh, you know, his season, he's uh, right around where his career numbers are right now, like forty-one percent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So last year he shot forty-one point five percent on. 3.4 attempts per game. That was last year from three. This year, 41.1% on 3.3. It's literally the same as yeah. last year. So has he grown a ton offensively? I think he's grown a little. He's uh, hitting the offensive glass harder, which has been good for him. He's uh, some you know, of the mid- he's get, getting a little bit more confident in terms of his plan to attack when he's going to the rim. Um, he had a sick dunk to close the game that I know it was kind of like garbage time, but like sick dunk. And he he tried another one earlier that he missed, amazing. I think, with his left one hand. Of his best drives of the year. Yeah. He missed the dunk. Yeah. yeah. The Spurs, and so. like he's starting to do like some of his I know like we don't love the mid range stuff, but like he's starting to cash that like pretty regularly as well. We saw it a couple times. And I know I know there were some videos out there on, on Twitter. X, whatever the hell you want to call it, kind of like showing like some of the stuff that he's clearly learning from Demar, just some like the mid range like moves and just like kind of looking similar and that kind of stuff. He's been shooting really well from there uh, lately too. So like, yeah, like I still am skeptical about like Pat having star equity. I mean, I'm not gonna. I feel like it's got to be with what Kobe's doing right now. Like I feel like it's got to be done. Seeing like this guy can't be a star player because like right. like Kobe like doing this is just like out of fucking nowhere and it's like holy shit like like. We kind of saw Lowry Markin in the last year, too. So, like, I'm not going to say, like, Pat definitely can't be a star. Still skeptical about him having, like, the ball skills to, like, consistently, like, be a guy you can give him the ball. And, like, he's he not really much of a playmaker either. So, like, because like, yeah. Kobe can do that. So, like, will Pat ever be, like, that guy who can be, like, a driver of offense as, like, a star? Offensive? I'm yeah. pretty skeptical about that still. But, like, we're seeing him being able to hit open threes at a high level, doing some of the attacking mismatches, doing some of the off ball roll guy stuff. And that's a super valuable player. If you're a six, seven, 230 pound forward who can shoot over 40% from three, uh, who can play elite level defense. And that's going to, that's a guy that's gonna get you paid 20 to 25 million a year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just get, yeah, Kobe and Pat, they were so bad to start the year. And I'm just like, they've gone from so bad. They've, it's just been like a total flip, a total 180 from awful to now there's both playing great. Again, Kobe, like all-star level, Pat, again, not all-star level, but like all defense level while also bringing this offense. It has just like totally changed the tenor of the team. I mean, DeMar is still kind of doing his thing. Vooch has been fine. And then, I mean, Caruso has been awesome when he's played. Uh, and you're getting just and I always had these games like it's all just like coming together into a team that's been really good lately and really fun. Yeah. So like I mean I don't really know what else to, we're all to say from that they they they've been they've been good. Uh, we don't have to talk about fake trades although I still think they should probably trade Caruso but uh, I mean the way they're going they're not they're probably not going to like Demar's not going anywhere because we've kind of in like 
Demar is like playing well and like helping the young guys like this. Like unless you're getting like a monster package from Nard, he's not going anywhere. The Bulls are going to try to compete here and get whatever a, pl- a playing spot. Or they're only four games out of the six seed right now. They're 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 coming. Uh, and like with Caruso, you can still probably get like a haul. And but the thing is with like Caruso is if they do trade Caruso, then you just give Io all the minutes. And if Io can keep playing well, like. He's not as good as Crusoe. That's like, that's the other thing I wanted to say. Like Io is just on defense. Oh, and now the out of his threes, which is what he hit as a rookie when it looked like he was going to be uh, a really promising player for the Bulls. He kind of had a sophomore slump, mostly because his three point shooting totally fell off a cliff. This year, he should all better again. Before, like just having Io on the floor was kind of killing the Bulls' offense because you know he just yeah. wouldn't take so many open shots, and the opposing defense wouldn't guard him very often. But now that he's taking those shots a little bit more and he's knocking them down significantly more, uh, you know you could really appreciate what a bulldog the guy is as a defender because you know with him and Pat, that's a really solid defensive foundation, which is. And be critical for a team that, uh, you know, it's going to have Kobe White is a big part of it. Kobe uh, looks better defensively. And we got to say, Kobe made the game-winning defensive rotation yeah. to stop Joel right. in the win against the Sixers when MB just went off in that game. But the Bulls, I think, limited, limited him to two points in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and Kobe made a really nice defensive rotation and has made a bunch of those throughout this year, but still a smaller guy. And he takes uh, a lot of charges. I think. I think he's one of the league leaders in charges. And Pat and Caruso. Yeah, I think so. But with Io, Pat and Caruso, that's such a good defensive foundation for the team moving forward. So yes, you need high upside talent. Uh, I would still want to trade Caruso. I could be maybe talked into keeping DeMar at this point, though, just because... The team is going to be significantly worse without Demar. You kind of have to replace him if you get rid of him. And this is the first time where I'm like, maybe we should keep Demar around beyond this year because uh, I really think that he's helped Pat and, and Kobe quite a bit. And just his ability to draw two to the ball sets everyone else up for success. I do think Demar is slipping a bit this year. Uh, you know his numbers on sort of the second end of a back-to-back show it. I think his true shooting percentage slips to like basically 50%. He was much better uh, tonight. Back-to-back, which is but like good. Yeah, up until now, it was not good. So he's slipping a little. But yeah, this stretch has maybe changed my mind to make me open to bringing back DeMar. Especially like if you're not going to get a first round pick for him and you're just trading him for like seconds. Or, yeah, like, I mean, no. Some no, no, no. long shot guy. Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, DeMar's still a pretty damn good player. So yeah. uh, I would still consider it for. A, what yeah, I'd, I'd still consider it for like if you can get a good first out of it or like a decent young player. But like. I don't think that I don't think they're going to do it. Like I think they're, they're playing so well right now, and I do think they probably just the how he has helped Kobe and Pat. Like there's you see value in that. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, and I think just like I think what their their goal is, especially now that they have turned this around and like are competitive again. No matter what happens with Zach, like I think the goal we know. I mean, AK stated goals. He wants to be as competitive as possible. Whether that's what and they want to get in the play and get in the playoffs, whatever it is, uh, and keeping Demar does that. So, like, you keep this group, and the way this team is playing now, like I, like I said, I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden a contender. Like, they've beaten some contenders, but I don't think they're actually that that good. But, like, the way they're playing now with this group, 
I think they're probably yeah, they might trade Caruso. I would still probably lean no since they are playing so much better. But this is just me thinking of what they're thinking. Uh, and with Demar, it's like like whatever. They're not in like place to get like a legitimate star guy right now. They're not tanking for this, and this draft is bad anyways. Like so, they're they're just gonna be like. We're going to keep these guys together. We're going to try to be as competitive as possible for the next couple of years, which means they'll probably extend them more. Honestly, I've, I've always thought that was dumb. But like if they actually are showing promise here and going into next season, the rest and like the rest of the season, like they're probably going to extend tomorrow. And as long as long as it's at like a reasonable number, like, like I don't want to extend tomorrow, like three years, like 90 million or 100 million. Like that's probably a bad Year, idea. But, but like if you could get him for yeah two years, you match him up with like the rest of Vooch's deal. You have him as a veteran guy here, and you basically just try to be as competitive as possible. Um, Pat and Kobe keep growing, and they if the, and if that's the case, like clearly this group can at least can be competitive and beat some good teams and be a decent team. Like, and then you hope that you can somehow whatever you get a star somehow in the next couple of years. Like maybe Kobe is a star, but you're obviously going to need more than that to be a title contender. But you turn whatever the contracts you have, you, you, some you get some of your picks moving forward as those kind of clear up and you turn that into a star who comes in and plays with Pat and Kobe as kind of your next guy, uh, which isn't the worst. It's not the worst idea in the world. It looked like it, that looked like a terrible idea a couple weeks ago when the bulls looked like a joke and they absolutely looked like they needed to blow it up with the way Kobe and Pat have kind of flipped the season on its head. Like you can also talk me into keeping tomorrow, especially if you're just not going to get anything. If you can still get like a good valuable asset out of it, I would still consider it. Uh, and still think about it just because like, I, d- I don't know if he wants, like if he wants to say, but I also don't know if anyone else is going to pay him. Like, I feel like the bulls will willingly play him, pay him a decent amount. I don't, is anyone coming to sign DeMar to like a big contract? DeMar just... means more to the bulls than he would mean to any other team. Right. Like this is where his, uh, his, his value is really felt more than anywhere else. I think so. So yeah, so like yeah. I don't know. Like, it was like, would he take a lot less to go play in like a legitimate contender? Because like again, I don't think the Bulls are a legit contender. But like, if they give him the, he's never won a title. If they give him the bag, like, would he take that, or would he take less to go to a team that maybe has a better title chance? Two I don't know years. at this point in his career, but yeah. And also, the Bulls are gonna be up against the luxury tax. Yes, uh, that is Will true. Has mentioned this a couple times with a new Demar contract and a new. Pat contract. Pat, Pat's yeah. getting 20 million a year now. So uh you know what they do in this Levine trade, which still seems like it's probably gonna happen. I mean, I guess this is maybe the last thing we should talk about. How embarrassing is this for Zach Levine? <laughs> like to me, this is like so humiliating for Zach. I mean, I've been a big Zach believer. Yeah, and I'll still I'll still go to bat for Zach. I mean, I ran the numbers a few weeks ago and like Basically, since the 2018 season, there's like 12 guys in the league who have scored 26 points a game at 63% true shooting, and Zach's one of them. And then it's like the 11 best players in the league plus Zach. So uh, Zach can still be a super efficient, super prolific scorer. But this team looked dead in the water with <laughs> Zach on the floor. Zach looked like he was, uh, you know, not exactly giving it his all he kind of so here's it yeah so here's a question kind of going back to what i mentioned the billy quote from after like if zach does not get and casey has been kind of priming the pump for a trade not to happen because like there are no offers right now i do think as we get closer to the deadline i think there could be some more interest coming there 
Um, because I do think that the pendulum has probably swung a little too far on Sack. Uh, because as for everything you mentioned, like he's still like a really prolific scorer. He's a great shooter. When he's engaged, he's still a really good player. He was just not engaged at the start of the season. It was blatantly obvious. Uh, he was just kind of freelancing. He was lazy defensively. So going back to the Billy comments that I mentioned earlier, like if healthy's uh, with the team playing better, would Zach come back and buy in? And do you think they would keep playing well like this? So theoretically, Zach should be really good in this type of system where the ball is moving. He's getting open threes. He's able to attack advantages or uh, whatever. When he has advantages on offense and go to the and uh, hit uh, whatever, drive to the basket. Theoretically, the problem with Zach has been, especially this season, was when he slows it down, he takes too long to make decisions, uh, and it just stagnates. So he dribbles the ball. He dribbles out of an open three and takes like a terrible mid-range shot instead. He take, again, he takes too long to survey the floor, make a decision passing-wise. The ball just doesn't move fast enough. It doesn't move enough with him. And it's, he's never been the best at it. But, I mean, there have been times when Lonzo was here, like, they, they were pretty fun. Like, he was super good. And he, he was pretty good at the end of last season, too. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you think if they keep playing well like this and there is no trade and he does and he gets healthy, do you think he could come back and do you think he would ruin it? Or do you think that he that he would buy in and that they could keep and that they could even get to a whole new level, whatever that level actually is? Right. So the first thing I want to see is how well are the Bulls going to play over the next 10 or so games before he could come back? Because yeah. it looks like mid-January is when he would come back. Uh, the Bulls' next 10 games would take them to January 13th. And that is home against Cleveland, home against the Hawks, home against the Pacers, home against the Sixers, on the road against the Sixers, on the road against the Knicks. Home against Charlotte, away against Charlotte, home against Houston, and home against Golden State. So we just saw them go seven and three, and now eight and three on a stretch. Like, can they go seven and three again? Like, that's yeah. crazy. They're not going to win seventy percent of the games. And I mean, that would get them to five hundred. You do have two games against the Hornets, yeah, in there, and you know Cleveland doesn't have Darius Garland or Evan Mobley. And Golden State, you know, they kind of suck. Weird to beat, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, the Pacers have been brutal since making it to the finals of the in-season tournament. Definitely have an in-season tournament hangover just like the Lakers. So, yeah, I guess, you know, if they go 7-3 and three again and Levine's, like, ready to come back, do you even let him play? <laughs> like, really, if they're still playing this well it would be tough to bring him back when the vibes <laughs> are so high, the play is so cohesive. At that point, like, I don't know. Like, you kind of need him to play because you need to show his trade suitors that he's healthy and you can't rest a totally healthy player. He's not going to want to rest. He's going to want to play when he believes he's healthy enough to play. So uh, it's wild stuff. Like, do I think Zach could fit into it? I'd like to believe yes. I'd like to, you know, he's on TV quite a bit. Uh, 
And you'd see his reactions are always positive. Stefano has pointed that out a bunch of times. And like, I'd like to believe that he's seen the way the team has played and he thinks, all right, I can fit into this. Like I can make snappier decisions with the ball. I don't need to like hunt my own shot so often. And I would like to think that he could be a seamless fit, but like, you know, it's not a, it's just not a coincidence that the Bulls have started playing this well. After it's too much of a sample size. Him at this point. going down, let every, you know, like when you're one of your highest usage players exits the lineup. Now suddenly there's a lot more usage for everyone else to soak up. And obviously Kobe has been the big winner of that, but just like uh, recalibrating the offense to be less star dependent, less your turn, my turn and more. Okay. Let's like actually run actions with, real purpose uh and you know a lot of shooting luck has helped this look like uh just a really enjoyable fun product so yeah i don't like i guess i'd welcome zach back but i sort of don't want him back but i'm saying that wanting to see how the next 10 games play out like if they go seven and three again <laughs> i think it's, everyone's gonna be like we don't want him back uh or at least the <laughs> I think the players would welcome him back because he seems generally well-liked in the locker room. But I think, you know, the fans would be within their right to say, I don't want him on the floor. Yeah. And fans definitely, I think most fans do think that right now. Like, and again, I do think the pendulum has swung too far against him in terms of just like him as a player, like overall and like how good he was before. Uh, but there's no doubt that he was bad to start of the season. It was awful, and he was b- dragging the team down. One of your when your highest paid guy is not is clearly not engaged and is clearly just kind of doing his own thing and it's not giving effort. Like you, you saw it just drag everybody down. The offense was was bad. The defense was lazy. You saw frustration all across the team. It's just not a coincidence at this point after all this time that just like they were the Bulls are better again. We we asked this question like right after those first couple games. Are they better without Zach? They were they are better than like. The ver- without that version of Zach that was playing. If Zach does come back and buys in, they could, they should be better. Even like, not. They, I think it would be. I, I'm not gonna say they're better than they are now because like that's hard to be better than like eight and three with some of these wins. But like, uh, over the over the long haul, because I do think some of this is still like somewhat small sample size, like craziness, especially with some of the shooting. But like, for like over the course of a season. If Zach came back and bought in, like that team, that bull team would probably be better and would have a higher ceiling than without him. Will that happen? I just don't know. I think it's fair to be skeptical. Um, we'd have to see it. He would have to prove it. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I mean, for right now, go ahead. The only way Zach doesn't get traded this season is if there's literally not an offer for him. And I think that, you know, it might be possible that the Bulls won't even get a pick in this trade if they're if they don't have the leverage of multiple offers. Uh, that's what they need. They need two teams bidding for him, and those teams sort of like putting in their best and final offer to the Bulls uh, to get a good return for Zach. Maybe that's the Sixers and the Lakers, or like whatever it's going to be. Maybe one of these bad teams like the Pistons jumps him, but. Uh, it's possible that only one team wants him. And if that happens, like you could just trade him for like 
you know, three smaller salaries, hopefully some of them expiring. Like if they were to do a Sixers trade yeah, and they got Tobias Harris back. I do think you talk about like, I think at this point, like expiring salaries is probably what they want. We talked about the luxury tax stuff. Uh, If they're going to pay DeMar and pay Pat, you kind of just need to clear like Zach's salary off the books for next season. Yeah, but Uh, Jason, the deal should be negotiated on the picks and the young players. Yeah. And then the salary filler like that, I just care way less about. And we see teams clear salary all the time when they need to. Like the Bulls could get rid of Javon Carter if they needed to clear $7 million in salary or something, right? So like I think they should still absolutely prioritize picks and young players. But it doesn't seem like they're going to get many picks or young players. Like maybe one or two. Actually prioritize cap relief god would that be just so depressing yeah, like, the Tob- like we made fun of our guy uh michael pina oh i think for like the tobias harrison a first round pick like at this point like would it be that surprising if that's like kind of what the trade is if it was like tobias like one of their young guys and their first round pick which like seems like it sucks but like, i think to- i think tobias is expiring like 40 million or whatever he's making uh and then you get what like what like sh- who is one of their young guys that they have like Jaden Springer or something like that, and then like their first round pick, which is in like twenty twenty nine. Like at this point, like that might happen. I don't yeah, know. If like, it's an unprotected pick, I would be pretty satisfied with that trade. <laughs> if it's like uh, another lottery protected pick, like AK got for Markinen, that would suck. So like, if there's only going to be one pick back, please let that pick be unprotected. Yeah. And AK is so bad at negotiating that why would I think it's gonna yeah, like if it was like and like, if it's like that Lakers trade and it's D'Lo, Rui, and like they're that one first that they have, like that better be unprotected in the future. Like get the fuck out of here if it's not protected. Because I mean D'Lo is garbage. We saw him and Rui were terrible last night. Like, I mean that'd be an off. Like, I think our our, our guy Darnell Mayberry at the Athletic and Jovan Buhov at the Athletic, they had a good back and forth convo kind of about the, the Levine Lakers trade stuff. Uh, was Darnell was like, I oh, know, like it seems like it's just gonna like. There's been reporting that a lot of assumptions that it, it's just gonna end up being exact like, or the Lakers. Lakers don't want to trade Austin Reeves. We've talked about this. We would want Austin Reeves. It does not seem the Lakers would want to do that. Although I do wonder, the Lakers kind of just suck ass right now. They're they just lost again without LeBron to the Timberwolves tonight. They are around 500. They're like eight and 14 in the non in season tournament games. They just kind of stink. Like they clearly need another guy. They need more offense. Like. And Zach would be pretty nasty playing off um, AD and LeBron. Would they get desperate enough to trade Reeves? I don't know. He was Reeves is still pretty good. He's kind of bounced back. But like D'Lo obviously sucks, and Rui's not that good either. So like, if it was D'Lo, Rui, and that like future first, like that first better be unprotected. Uh, well, now let's say that Philly puts in Tobias in the first. So then, if that's the case. I think I'm taking Tobias and the first and now like, hopefully now you're getting them both unprotected. Like these are the offers. Right. And then that's kind of how you get Reeves is you're like, all right, well, we're yeah. going to take this Philly package yeah. unless you put Reeves in. Cause I think I would rather have Tobias just with him totally clearing. Yeah. Uh, and it was Rui. I mean, Rui's got whatever he signed, what four year deal, three year deal, something like yeah. that. I don't care. And the Adilo I think was two years. He might, he might be an expiring. I can't remember if he has, like a player option, but, or whatever his contract was. I don't remember exactly, but I mean, I don't want any part of D'Lo. Like you don't need him. I know like in that conversation at the athletic, they talked about like flipping, it would probably need, if it's the Lakers, you probably need a third or fourth team to get D'Lo somewhere else. And maybe you get 
another maybe some seconds. I mean, I don't know if Delo, flipping Delo somewhere else can get you a first. He's just not that good at this point. Like maybe he can help somebody else, but like I, on this bull scene, like I don't want him like taking the ball out of Kobe's hand or like if they're keeping tomorrow on like. I don't want him handling. Really want no part of Delo. Rui might be decent. Like they, he'd be a fine backup to like. I think he'd be a fine backup four. Like I'd probably, I'd still start Pat over him. But like as a backup four, like Rui can probably help you this season. But like, I would absolutely want to flip Delo somewhere else and get some other assets. But uh, obviously, if you're making the trade with the Lakers, you got to push for Reeves. You get, you have to do it. And maybe the Lakers would get desperate enough. Reeves is good, but like he's not as good as Zach is. He's not a good defensive player, and he's he's of a good offense player, but he's is not on the level of Zach. So like if they are still kind of dicking around here over these next couple weeks, getting into January 15th, uh, when I think when Reeves and Rui are eligible to be traded and coincidentally right around when Zach's going to come back, uh, you got to push for Reeves. Um, and then you have to get him and flip him Cause I don't even know if Reeves is a good fit with Kobe. Like they're kind of similar players. I I, I, mean, I, I kind of I, mean, I think Reeves could be like in their in this system. He he I get off the bench. I guess a six man. I think I'd 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 fuck with Reeves as like the bull yeah, six man. Sure, and he's on such what a team friendly do. contract. But like yeah. if you could flip him, you could yeah you always could yeah yeah. I'd like but to see Reeves though on this team as like the six man for the rest of the year if they were able to make that trade. But I would just worry about their defense. Yeah, because him and Kobe in the backcourt together would just be really weak and short armed. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fair. Uh, but they, they could be electric offensively, but they kind of have compounding skill sets, not complementary skill sets. Uh, they have like a little bit overlapping skill sets, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff going on with the Bulls right now, even beyond us making up fake trades. So it's been <laughs> fun to actually focus on the basketball because, dude, I thought that this was going to be the type of season where it wasn't worth watching another game. And I was still going to watch them because when we do this podcast. Yeah. I'm a sicko who watches the Bulls even when they suck, and they usually suck. Uh, but this has like really renewed my interest. You can now watch them without <laughs> hating yourself. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I couldn't wait for that Lakers game on Monday night, and like I was pumped about this game all day today. Even though like games on the second end of a back to back are kind of stupid, the Bulls entered one and four on the second end yep. of a back to back, and you know they picked up this win, so that was good. Uh, you know, Jace, they've turned around the season and I can't believe it. And yeah. at this point, I kind of believe like they'll make it in the play-in tournament somehow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at the standings. They're they're half a game out of the play-in tournament. The Hawks, Hawks have been actually the Hawks are four and six. Like Trey Young's been playing awesome. Like the Hawks stink. Uh, they're twelve Jalen and Johnson back, and he's a big key. Jalen Johnson, the losing him, they started the year decent. Losing him was big, but like the Nets are awful. They've lost four in a row. The Pacers have totally the, the Pacers are the Pacers and Lakers are both basically like non in season tournament frauds. They were both uh, basically dominant in the in season tournament. Have been absolutely ass outside of it. The Cavs are missing two of their best players for two months or whatever it is. Um, like right now, the top six probably is pretty. I mean, the Cavs they still do have Mitchell and Allen, uh, so maybe they can kind of be there but like the the Pacers seem like a playing team the Nets Hawks I mean the Raptors suck they're 11 and 16 they're garbage they're the trashers um so right now it does seem like I think I think even I feel like even if the Bulls did trade if the Bulls traded Caruso I think they'd still make it trading DeMar maybe not like was DeMar probably has helped these guys I think I am probably underrating how much DeMar has helped these young guys but like 
I feel like that these other teams are bad enough for the Bulls, even if they did trade like Zach, Demar, and Caruso. Might if Kobe like Sook and Pat kept playing at this, they might be able to make the playing tournament anyways. I'm not gonna say the Bulls are gonna get in the top six, but they are only four back right now. These other teams, like the Heat, have been kind of doing this rope a dope the last couple seasons with the regular season. The Knicks, I do think the Knicks are pretty good. They did Mitchell Robinson will be out for the season. Um, the Magic have fallen off. They've lost three in a row. Their offense is just not good enough. Uh, but I think they're still probably pretty good. So, like, they're probably going to stay in the top six. But, like, uh, if the Bulls keep playing really well like this, they I think they should easily make the play-in tournament. Um, and the, barring injuries, of course. The Bulls, outside of Zach, we, I get, they did lose Torrey Craig. Uh, we have not mentioned that. They'll, Torrey Craig going to be out a couple months. He does say that he's going to be back sooner like this planter fashion injury who knows but like uh i mean demar kobe vooch pat these guys have been iron men the last couple seasons they just like don't miss games like vooch has played every game the last two seasons i believe pat is the same uh demar has missed sporadically i don't think kobe's missing him like these guys just don't miss games like if if the bulls keep basically those four guys around um they're going to make the play in tournament for sure and if they keep playing this well maybe they could threaten for the top six i'm still I'm still pretty skeptical about that over the course of the season, but uh, we were very wrong about how about this team right now. Like we will, we're eating crow right now. We did not think they had this in them, uh, so they could prove us wrong again, and maybe they are actually good and can actually make a run at the top six. Again, you I know what, not... Jason? We were pretty optimistic in the preseason. We were <laughs> like we, you know, we thought. I think we both picked them to win like 43 games. We, we yeah, we thought they'd get in the 40s. I thought mid 40s like 45 46 was the ceiling yeah so like we were that was like pretty fucking optimistic it was because because most other like the vegas speaking of that the best thing about this run is our fucking overs are looking great we're back we're looking good uh hopefully we're gonna cash in on that as long as they keep playing like this they should absolutely get over and a half wins yeah. was our over back we should be we're good five and 14 jace we thought we had donated one hundred dollars <laughs> each to the bat rivers casino or <laughs> whatever it is and, draft games uh, <laughs> instead we're killing it yeah we're looking we're back there but yeah, I mean that between like I mean Vegas was down on them. I think just a lot of like national pundits. I think a lot of just like the anal- the like analytics like predictor systems all had the Bulls just being like in the 30s, and maybe they still end up there. I don't know. Again, they they might fall off, but like right now they look like a team that can maybe get up to and be a 500 team, get in the low 40s. Maybe uh, we'll see. Um, again, still a long way to go. Uh, a lot of stuff can happen from here on out, but um, but yeah. I mean, from where they were, it's been an incredible turnaround. It's it's made for a lot more fun to watch. It makes for a lot us to have a lot more fun on this podcast because while we do enjoy bitching about the Bulls and we've done a lot of it over the years, like it got, uh, it does get old after a while. And we want them to win. We want them to have a bright future. We want them to build towards a championship. And while we that's still obviously a long ways away, it is nice to see young players taking actual development. Maybe we should call Peter Patton. Uh, the shooting coach, the MVP of the season, because they now are apparently one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Uh, after fi- the Bulls have finally hired a shooting coach, and now these guys are looking are ripping threes like crazy. Um, it is fun to actually talk about good basketball. Uh, we've dealt with so much crap. We had the brief stretch with Lonzo where it was really fun, and then that all went to crap. Um, and now it's been kind of fun again, and we'll see if it keeps going. Let's hope it does. Uh, 
It just makes it more fun to talk about good basketball, not just absolute utter dog shit. Again, looking ahead, like if they would have just been bad with no young guys, like going into a draft that seems like kind of ass, like that just wouldn't have been any fun. It would have been super lame. Uh, I guess talking trades can be fun, but like when it's just like the same stuff over and over again, we can actually talk about fun basketball and actually break that kind of break that stuff down. So good for the Bulls. Kudos to them for turning things around like this, and we'll see if they can keep it up. I think I should probably wrap it up here. Um, it's Christmas week. Uh, the Bulls, I believe, have one more game before Christmas, and that is Saturday at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe Donovan Mitchell did not play tonight. We'll see if he will be back for that week for that game. We know they'll be without Darius Garland, without Evan Mobley. Uh, but if they do have, and I think Sam Merrill actually got hurt today, and Sam Merrill has been like a a godsend for them, or he's been a great three point shooter. I think I said I think he got hurt tonight, but um, if Mitchell plays, that'll be a tough game. Uh, if they have Mitchell and Allen, and we know they have Max Struess, uh, some other decent players. So that will not be a pushover, of course, especially if Mitchell plays. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bulls can keep this going. Uh, and then they'll have a couple days off for Christmas. Um, and then they play, you mentioned, I will be going to the game. I think it was at the Hawks. I'll be going to the game next Thursday against the Pacers, uh, which should hopefully be a fun game. Hopefully Halliburton's healthy. would love to see them. Uh, both these teams kind of full strength going at each other. I know I mentioned the Pacers have been kind of ass lately. They've kind of fallen back, uh, but we still we still know the Pacers are a fun team when they're kind of rolling when Halliburton's playing well. So again, yeah, Saturday we got Saturday versus Cleveland, then Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then Tuesday versus Atlanta versus the <clears throat> um, versus the Pacers on Thursday, uh, and then a couple games against Philadelphia as you mentioned. So uh, some fun, some interesting matchups coming up. Uh, we'll see how it ha- how that goes. So that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Like what we're doing here at Cash, please check out all the other great podcasts all across Blue Wire. Tons of great NBA pods, also other sports pods. We have a great collection of podcasts here at Blue Wire. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those fun places. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call it these days at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. Follow Ricky's work at SBNation.com. Please go check out ClutchPoints.com as well. So, everybody, it's Christmas time. Happy, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all you Bulls fans out there and all you listeners of Casting Generations. Grateful for for everyone that listens out there. Um, have a Merry Christmas, Have a Happy Holidays, whatever holidays you celebrate. So, uh, we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>